When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's a Wilkie vacation, which means I'm in the big chair tonight. In my humble, as the late Bill Matheson used to say, the palatial main studios, except my main studios are in, is in my basement, in my office. Uh, to make it as comfortable as possible, and I hope it sounds good to you. And I'm just happy to have you aboard on 6.30 Jet Inside Sports. Good evening. It's I'll be in uh, tonight, tomorrow, then I'm off to Vancouver on Wednesday. Brendan Escott will be uh, in this time slot for Inside Sports, and then Thursday for you at uh, 6 o'clock, countdown to kickoff. Morley Scott, yours truly. Uh, you'll hear from this man in a moment, and Blake Dermott. And the game is at 8 o'clock. Speaking of the Lions, we'll be joined by Michael Riley. Everyone knows who that name is around these parts back for the BC Lions. Uh, also, on Friday, I will be here. So... That's the schedule. You got me tonight, tomorrow. Escott is here on Wednesday. We got the game on uh, Thursday night from BC Play Stadium in Vancouver. Looking forward. This team can break an 0-2 start and an 0-2 start down south in Calgary. First time this has happened since 1966. Long-time voice of the Stampeders on our sister station, Newstalk 770 in Calgary, will join us after 7 o'clock. Championship weekend for the Basketball League. The Edmonton Stingers, the defending champions from last year's tournament in the Niagara region, and they're got to be considered the favorite, and there's a lot of Stingers up for awards, including Jordan Baker, former U of A standout, now the the Nate men's basketball program, and also the Canadian Player of the Year nominee. So we'll hear from Jordan after 7.30. Uh, this is big news that just came down the pipe about a half an hour ago. Western Hockey League, they're bringing in a mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy. So shots have to be in the arm by mid-September, two weeks before the season opens, October the 1st. Besides players, is one who deals with uh, players on a regular basis. So if you're dealing with a billet family and players are going to be able to be in billet families, prefer that they're in homes where people have been fully vaccinated. Now, WHL Commissioner Ron Robinson says with travel restrictions currently in Canada-U.S. border, it is important that all players and staff are fully vaccinated in order to be eligible to play a full season in the Western Hockey League. Wow. So you saw the NHL do this. The CFL, they don't have this policy. But protocols have changed. If you're uh, Tier 1, any player or football personnel with teams that are fully vaccinated, you will have more freedoms now. And if you're vaccinated as a team, you can have group functions. Like you can eat together in a hotel or in a you know banquet hall setting, that sort of thing. So that's interesting as well. But the uh, Elks are off to an 0-2, a 30-13 loss to the Montreal Alouettes, a game where... There wasn't one phase that really played well, I guess it did. Special teams did not, uh, for the most part. Um, the offense, oh, here we go again. 
But there's this team that have won Grey Cups after tough starts. And Jamie Elizondo, head coach, says, you know, the belief of this team is kind of what you have to have to rely on. And we got a lot of leaders on this team that that have been through tough starts. I think it always starts with the vision. And if those guys understand what the vision is that we're trying to create, then it's easier to weather the storm, you know, when the bad weather comes. If you don't know where you're going, then it's hard to know how long that storm is going to last. But there's some conviction in that locker room that uh, is really good for us right now that, hey, we're just weathering the storm. This storm could have come at week 8, 9, and 10. Mm-hmm. We're just getting through the storm. It hit us early. But we know where we're going. And that's that's where you rely on the leaders to continue to spray that message through the team. And a man who knows a lot about that is Eddie Steele, one of our in-game analysts on Edmonton Elks broadcast here on 630. Chad, Eddie, nice to talk to you again. Good to talk to you too, Dave. How are you today? Uh, doing really well. So so the team gets back to work for a week, and I know you and Blake established, I think, very well after the game on Saturday that a short week isn't necessarily a terrible fly back to work today. Uh, didn't do much. I mean, it was about an hour practice, and maybe not even, maybe 45 minutes. Uh, they did some. It was a lot of walk-through stuff. But, you know, a lot of uh, this topic came up a lot after the uh, practice about the Red Blacks on the team, former Red Blacks that have been through a tough start and have won a great cup or win to a great cup. And tell me about you, the experience and ask Aaron Grimes about it. And there is uh, still some flavor from that championship team in 2015 where you as players we go through, you know, all all rosy and sunshine and i mean there is there was a lot of adversity before you went on a won 10 games in a row including the uh gray cup in winnipeg yeah there was there was a ton of adversity be it injuries be it tough losses early in that year uh and that's going to happen throughout the course of a football season you're not going to play perfect every game uh you mentioned the ottawa teams that had gotten off to some slower starts and had some success the big difference with those teams is, A, they are playing in the East Division at a time where the East was fairly weak. Uh, typically, there would be a West crossover team, so it's much easier to get there. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot different of a game this season, and it was a full 18-game schedule where you have lots of time to make up some bad starts. There's a lot of ground. So with this condensed schedule, it's tough. You, you really got to take advantage of your opportunities uh, and it's a tough, tough division as always in the West. You got two teams that are two and zero. BC, they're they're no slouch when Michael Riley is back there. So, yeah, they, they need to put it together. But yeah, every team is going to go through these tough stretches of a, a season. You typically don't want to start off this slow because it just puts you behind the eight ball moving forward. Coach said, yeah, it'd be worse if it was later in the season. But you know, I I always. I disagree with that to a degree because I think it's better to get um, get some some momentum going. And, you know, if you have a tough stretch, so be it. But you don't want to start off with zero momentum and then to be losing the way they've lost. It's really tough to get that ball going. Yeah. You know, another concern that I think we, we should bring up here is, you know, this is a new coaching staff with a new head coach who's never been a head coach before. And I know you've been through this scenario before with Chris Jones and with Jason Moss. Um, 
and you know there is a lot of veterans on this team but it's kind of you know it's there there's some in there then and and there isn't uh, in other areas but how much do the players have to kind of you know the coach and coach but how about the leadership core of this group um and the job that they have and considering that this is in a lot of res- there's some new to the core and there's some that are not so new to the core you know what i mean like it's 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 it feels like it's a little imbalanced here we are yeah you're right and honestly the coaches can only do so much they can't strap the pads up they're not playing the game in between the lines they can prepare the guys and you know based off what we've been told they have prepared the guys uh, to their full capability uh, i don't know if that at this point has been good enough or not but it's up to the players to play the game uh, the coach can't do it for you and it's up to the players to put good film out there because the tape doesn't lie. And uh, watching the games, you can clearly see there's a disconnect there. Um, I'd even go as far as saying that it looks like to be a disinterest level, especially once you know you don't get that momentum early in a game. It's uh, pretty easy to check out. Sure, you're still playing between the whistles, but are you really playing? Is your head really in the game, or are you just going through the motions? And that's kind of, I saw some of that last game. I didn't see that energy. I didn't see the emotion that you have to play with because be it highs or the lows, you got to play the game of pro football uh, fairly emotional or else you're you're not going to have much success out there. How much of what is going on, and, and I'll throw this not in the first game, but in the second game against Montreal, I put in the, the D-line and evaluate the D-line, the O-line over the first two games. And and because the D-line didn't really get a lot done against that offense. And, and, and what do you make of the uh, the offensive line? You kind of have some experience with that, being you played two games uh, back in uh, 2015, right? So what are you yeah. seeing from the lines right now? You know what? It's not been terrible play. It really hasn't. If you look at the running game, which is an offensive lineman's dream, they've been pretty productive. You know, they're putting up some pretty good stats rushing-wise. And, you know, passing-wise, Trevor's leading the league in yardage, so clearly he's getting the time to get rid of the ball uh, and to make some plays or at least make some passing um, attempts and receptions. But... Yeah, I don't think the offensive line has been playing very bad football, in all honesty. They, Trevor's been pretty clean for the most part. It's not like he's back there getting abused every game uh, for many plays. But, you know, it's it's all got to come together. And then defensively, they were very quiet this past game. Uh, I was expecting a lot more um, havoc, for lack of a better term, from those two DNs, uh, especially against, as I had pointed out, to a, a guy who's playing uh, offensive tackle in the game who's traditionally a guard. So I was expecting them to kind of take advantage of him a little bit more. But Montreal, they, they really shut them down uh, with their offensive line. I was pretty surprised by that. And, you know, here we are in the hole that we're in. Yeah, exactly. Eddie Steele joining us uh, on 630 Chet Inside Sports tonight, one of our in-game analytics broadcasts here on this station. Next broadcast will be Thursday night from BC Place Stadium in Vancouver. We'll hear Eddie and Blake, and starting at 6, the uh, ball will kick off from BC Place Stadium at uh, 8 o'clock. So, uh, so you've been through two-game losing. Or you've been through tough stretches. 
Tell me what day one is of practice is like in preparation for the next game. Is this optimistic part of the week for you, or can you definitely tell some some guys kind of need to be pulled? Uh, what, what, what was it like for you for the most part? Well, I'll, I'll answer that firstly by saying, what answer do you want for what head coach? Because <laughs> it, it, it depends on the head coach. If it was Chris Jones, we're we're going. We're getting after it pretty uh, aggressively. Day one and day two, coming off a loss, he was uh, he was in our butt and he was he was coaching us hard and he was making sure we were running to that football at least defensively. We had to run, 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 but it was good because we didn't have too many stretches where we lost two games under Coach Jones. Now I've had other coaches in the past where you know they they don't really um, waver from what they do and their approach and. You know, which is to a degree, it's good. You need to have that stability, but at the same time, you got to do something different in order to get that fire going in the guys. And uh, so, day one, yeah, typically lots of running, pretty aggressive coaching style out there, because you got a bitter taste in your mouth, and you need to do something different to get that out to out of your mouth, that taste to be able to get some wins in the win column. And and it's not necessarily just by practicing harder, but you need to practice smarter and you need to practice more efficiently. And you need to, well, you know, I, I really hate to say this, but you need to focus on the details, even though that's what we heard last week. Focus on the details, focus on the details. But, you know, saying it's one thing and actually going out and doing it's a total different thing. For me, if I was coming off of a bad game and I feel like I didn't contribute to a, a team win, I would, A, study my film super thoroughly. You know, I hate to admit it, but I would study it more thoroughly than I might have if it was coming off of a win. And I would practice on the small things like my hand work and my pass rush moves. And I would really try and execute that hard in the one-on-ones during practice and in team periods. And I treated those practices like a game. I really did. Teammates probably didn't like me. We would get into some fights. But, man, that's ultimately when you get better is when you practice uh, more efficiently, when you practice harder and smarter. So let's look around the league here. I mean, I think if your team name isn't the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or even throwing the Montreal Alouettes, you're, you're probably not happy with your team's offensive. And Hamilton has scored just one touchdown. The Stampeders have struggled. I mean, everyone has struggled. The Elks have struggled. Even, you know, but even the Bombers, and I mean, they have been involved in some crazy games. The Riders game against the Lions was nuts because they scored so much in the first half and then did nothing. And the, the Ticats kept the game close and then they pulled away and the Bombers kind of same sort of thing in, in both games. What are you seeing? Are you seeing fences are doing as a whole to kind of limit offense? Or is it is it just a case where just, you know, offense is just such a, we know it's a really difficult dance because you need all 12 to, to really go in unison and they haven't done this for so long. You know, I think what we're really seeing uh, in terms of watching the offensive struggle is a byproduct of uh, limited training camp and no preseason games. Because historically on a football team, when you arrive at training camp, the defense always comes out of the gates hot. 
because the offense, you got to get that timing down. You got to get the right reads down. Blocking, it's not as easy as people think where it's just, oh, I blocked the guy in front of me. There's so many different things that offensive linemen need to be seeing, that the receivers need to see to run the right routes on certain plays. So, yeah, every training camp I've been at, it's not like the offense has ever come out guns a-blazing and torching the defense. Usually it's the defense who's putting up points and do, or sorry, who's uh, making big stops and doing their thing. Because uh, it's much easier to play defense because you pretty much see ball, get ball. That's that's your job. So there's not it's not as uh, analytical as it is on the offensive side of the ball. So that's part of the reason, I believe. All right. Last week you told, uh, as we finish up here, you told you you had a torn left bicep I, uh, in 2014, right, for the first nine weeks of the season? Yeah. To... Uh, to our to our buddy Reed Wilkins. Okay, so I was thinking about this, Eddie, and first game of Vancouver against the Lions, you caught an interception, your first CFL interception. And now that I think about it, I remember you in the air catching the ball, and you talked about the mummy the mummy wrap when you're at a ninety degree angle. I I remember it now. I remember it clear. Um, how the heck did you get the ball with like basically one arm? It, it was crazy, Dave. It was uh, we were running um, all-out blitz against Kevin Glenn, and us as the linemen, what our job is because we're sending one more person than the offense as the block. So all we need to do is occupy a guy. So we're not really supposed to rush or make a move. We're kind of just supposed to step into the offensive lineman, draw his attention, and then step back and get our hands up in the passing lane. And I put my hands up, and honestly, Kevin Glenn, he threw the ball, and it just it stuck in my hand. I didn't make a catch at all. You could <laughs> let's, let's chalk it up to the gloves that I was wearing because it just stuck. And then I tucked it away, and I got tackled right away. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't make a, a catch attempt. It really just hit my gloves, and it stuck. It looked pretty sweet on film, though. It looked like I really snagged it. But, no, the truth comes out. I didn't do much. It's one of the best. It's one of the best from a D tackle, I think, in CFL history. And, and, and you did it with one arm. I'm very impressed with you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they always said I was an athlete, so maybe it showed there. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Eddie, thanks for this as always. We'll talk to you on Thursday night when uh, it's pretty much a must to Elks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Dave. Sorry if you heard the kids cry. I'm, I'm on single dad duty right now, and I'm trying to keep them occupied with cookies, but that only lasted so long. Uh yeah, I, I know how that feels. It's basically trying to trying to delay the uh, inevitable. I want more, and you do this, and, you know, he hurt me, she hurt me, that sort of thing. I totally get it, Eddie, but you did a good job. Talk to you Thursday. Thank you. Yeah. Eddie Steele, former Edmonton football team player, Grey Cup champion in 2015, and now in-game analyst along with Blake Dermott for Edmonton Elks football right here on 630 Chat. At the Elks practice today, we did see Sir Vincent Rogers and Brian Walker, now 19 protocol, so they've uh, been released from that. Walker was very limited today, so him playing on Thursday probably is a little bit of a long shot. We'll have to see tomorrow what the injury report says, and uh, Vincent Rogers is still, Sir Vincent Rogers is still on the six-game injured list. Expect to see him for a while. Uh, Armani Edwards was uh, limited today. Uh, with, uh, let's see here, memory, 
failing me right now uh knee injury so he did not participate kyle saxland was a full participant back uh coming back from a back injury so we'll see if we have a new a member of the office on thursday night uh they will be uh taking on michael riley and the bc lions on thursday Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. Congratulations to Sebastian Costa of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Fort McMurray native uh, signs a three-year entry-level contract with the Detroit Red Wings, if I can put a Bob Cole-ism uh, into Detroit. Uh, he was uh, drafted by the Red Wings in the first round, 15th overall in last month's entry draft. Just coming off a sensational season. It was an abbreviated season because of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. They did play a 24-game season, won the Central Division, but he was 17-1-0 to go along with a league best 157 goals against average a 941 save percentage he tied for the league league in shutouts with four and uh and his 17 wins ranked second 37 8 2 and 2 198 goals against average 928 save percentage eight shutouts and very likely will be one of the goaltenders for the upcoming World Junior Hockey Championships, which is back in Edmonton and Red Deer with fans uh, over this uh, Christmas holiday. But we're talking football here as the Edmonton Elks will be facing the BC Lions from BC Place Stadium on Thursday night, the home opener for the Lions. And uh, this man will be under center, former Edmonton football team uh, member and uh, 2015 Grey Cup champion uh, with this uh, green and gold team. But he's with the orange and uh, black now. Uh, we all know that because uh, he signed there before the 2019 season. But he's a good friend of this show, Michael Riley of the BC Lions. Michael, how you doing? Gabe, what's up, man? It was a blast from the past listening to you rattle off all those stats for that goalie, man. It's like <laughs> it brought me right back to 2018 all over again. It's uh, it's good to hear from you. Hey, six seasons of stats, man. That 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 was that was my gig, <laughs> you know, just to try and hit you with a stat every day at practice uh, or after every oh, game. Well, wins I only, wins. <laughs> <laughs> I miss those days too. Before we get going, I want to, because this is the first time I'm talking to you since March, so uh, my condolences to the passing of your mother, uh, to you and the and the rest of your, of your family. Um, and you, you're going by Michael, and that has a very significance, a lot of significance to your mother. Can you explain that? Yeah, thanks for the kind words, man. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, everybody that I've uh, spoken with in Canada has, has been uh, very gracious in, in their comments about my mom. Uh, you know, she uh, she always uh, enjoyed coming up to Edmonton and Vancouver and, and uh, watching the games, but also just spending time with the people. I know you got to know my folks pretty well, so I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, my mom, um, you know, as any loving mother uh, does, uh, you know, she was supportive of, of anything and everything that I did, with the exception of one thing, and that was the name that I went by. Uh, you know, we would get into arguments that uh, the name on the birth certificate uh, was Michael. That's what she named you. Why don't you go by that? And, you know, I was uh, half jokingly, but uh, well, probably more like 30% jokingly, 70% serious. So when she passed away, it was just, uh, you know, my way of kind of honoring, uh, you know, what she always wanted me to do. And, uh, and at the same time, it's also still a little bit strange to hear people refer to me as that. And it's just kind of a reminder of me, uh, a reminder about my mom so uh, you know it's, uh, it's definitely uh, doing its intended purpose for sure 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I think that, that that's an awesome tribute. And I, I got to admit, it's hard not to call you Mike, uh, but <laughs> I will call you Michael, you know, um, because I want to honor. It's kind of lame for me to hear it, but it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you are uh, Michael Riley of the 1-on-1 one one BC Lions because you got a big win over the Calgary Stampeders uh, last Thursday, 15-9. Uh, to Whenever you get your first win of the, of the regular season, uh, that's always a, a nice moment. So people can stop asking you when you're going to get your first win. <laughs> yeah, there's no no question about that. Obviously, you want it to be week one. Um, but if it's not week one, then, you know, certainly want it to be week two. So uh, it's been <laughs> a, a strange start to the season, um, you know, just for every team, of course. You know, having uh, all the COVID protocols in place and all that kind of stuff. And then our training camp. You know, mine, mine was very limited because of injury, but also just as a team, uh, we were we had to call camp almost a week early because of all the smoke and cam loops and, and things like that. And so, uh, and then having no preseason, um, you know, there's just it's just a very quirky, weird uh, year. But with all that being said, I think all of us are just happy to be playing football again. So uh, it's been great to get out and, and, and play some games and, and certainly, you know, to get that win in Calgary was big. Um, but it's also just a reminder that, uh, you know, every week is, is, is the next most important week, as I used to talk to you guys all the time about. Um, and with only 14 games, it's, it's just that much more true. So um, good to get a win against uh, Calgary. Uh, it's, you know, I've, the number of games that I've won in that stadium has been very limited, so it was nice to get another <laughs> one in there. Um, you know, but, uh, but we got another Alberta game, of course, coming up, which obviously is the reason I'm talking to you. Yep, absolutely. And and the the contrast of uh, of the two games, uh, obviously you lost the first game, but just, you know, you were down big, you came back, uh, you, you just fell short. And then last Thursday was a real kind of grinded out, kind of plotting type of game where I'm sure you wanted to score a lot more touchdowns than, than you did, but your defense came up strong with four picks on Beli, Bo Levi Mitchell, which has never happened before. Uh, but the contrast mm -hmm. of the two games were one game was so wild and the, the next game was just kind of one of those tense, grinded-out games. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you said, the, the, the first one, uh, I mean, it's a tough place to play at any point in time in, in Mosaic and, you know, with the sold-out crowd in the first game. Uh, you know, in, in a year and a half, or a little bit longer than that, uh, for all those fans, it, it was pretty wild and crazy. And then, of course, last minute, you know, me not being ready to go, and, and Nathan having to play, um, you know, that was just a very tough situation to start the game. And I think, you know, Sask took took advantage of the opportunity and, and jumped out, you know, big time early. And then, you know, I think we were in the locker room and trying to settle down a little bit and, as a team, and, and I was able to come out and play, uh, you know, in a third and. and most to you know the first half of the fourth and I, I think it just kind of uh you know settled us into the type of team that we want to be we were able to put uh, some some good drives together and, and put some touchdowns on the board um you know the hole that we dug early was just too much to, to overcome unfortunately but you know we learned a lot about our team because we are a new team as is every team in football but we have a new staff we have a lot of new pieces a lot of new players and things like that so um, you know, see how the guys responded to the first bit of adversity for the year was great. Um, you know, and I think it gave us a lot of confidence moving forward. And then, um, you know, week two, uh, again, going into a, a very challenging place to play. And as you said, our defense was phenomenal. 
Um, you know, they they made trouble for Bo all night, and, and Bo's a great quarterback. He's you know obviously been uh, you know one of the top players in the league for the last decade, and, and a very confident guy. And so to be able to have uh, our defense uh, step up and force a lot of turnovers was huge. Offensively, I felt like we were in control the entire game. Um, as you said, you know, we, we definitely didn't put the ball in the end zone as many times as we as we were wanted to or we felt like we should have, um, given the success we were having offensively moving the ball. Uh, but they weren't, uh, you know, thankfully it wasn't just catastrophic mistakes or things that can't be fixed, um, you know, with just a, a few tweaks here or there. So, uh, you know, we looked at the drives. Uh, you know, there was just a couple of things we did, you know, penalty-wise and turnover-wise throughout the game. Um, you know, that we didn't help ourselves much. But, again, it, it was stuff that was easy to see on film. And, and you know, hopefully uh, we've been able to correct those mistakes. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's good to see that our, our team is, is kind of, you know, molding and gelling and turning into, uh, you know, what we were hoping that it would be. And, and so I do think that, uh, you know, we've got a long way to go, but I do think we're going to be a very good team by the time this is all said and done. BC Lions quarterback Michael Riley joining us on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Edmonton Elks will be in uh, BC Play Stadium on Thursday to play the Lions. You can catch it right here on 630 Chet, 6 o'clock for countdown to kickoff. 8 o'clock is the kickoff. Uh, talk about that uh, that nagging elbow thing of yours. And by the way, Morley Scott had made a funny joke last week uh, saying that clearly the Lions are picking the uh, bottom, the, the quarterback who is listed on the bottom of the depth chart as the starter. So that's, you know, that that's Morley's humor coming out there. But uh, <laughs> is, is it truly oh, just a week to week thing with this elbow, Mike, uh, Michael? See, I did it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're probably going to do it all year and that's totally fine. No, like I said, I just appreciate the effort. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've been joking all week, like, yeah, what the hell, let's just put uh, on our depth chart, we'll just put uh, as number one will be Nathan Riley, and number two will be uh, Michael Rourke, uh, you know, and that way uh, we're not going to be wrong either way. Um, you know, it's, it, it wasn't, honestly, I never really thought too much into it, um, you know, at the closing of the game, and, and then I had my, my press conference after the game and got asked the question about it. I, I really didn't uh, foresee this being such a, you know, a, a thing that some people in the media were going to jump onto, like with with disdain about how we handled um, the first two weeks. Because uh, from our perspective, you know, I, I thought that we were being like generously um, generous with our information and being completely honest. You know, I felt like we could mm -hmm. have been uh, much more hush hush about everything, but that's not how Rick operates. Rick Campbell came up to me, uh, you know, at the tail end of training camp and going into the, the first game of the season, you know, when we knew that we were going to be back and back through and there was going to be more media uh, practices and things like that. And so the way we're going to handle this, we're just going to be completely open and honest about uh, everything and, uh, you know, each day. And I said, okay, cool, well, let's do it. You know, and so we went into the first week uh, completely expecting for me to be able to start. You know, we had tested out, um, you know, some some preparation uh, over the course of the week to see, you know, if, if my elbow felt uh, good enough to play in the game. And we were confident that we, we had a schedule and some timing figured out. Um, you know, and then we showed up at, at game time and, and we just didn't get the response that we wanted. And honestly, I, I didn't have any comfort level in being able to go out on the field and play. Um, you know, so at that point, it, it doesn't really matter what the hell a piece of paper says. Um, you know, if you're not ready to go, you're not going to go out onto the field. So that's why Nathan played. Um, and by halftime, we got my over ready to go. Uh, and then the next week, um, because of the issue and the challenges that we had, 
preparing for the Sask game, we said, well, it's a short week, uh, you know, before we play Calgary. I'm not going to get any time to practice, um, you know, and, and we don't really know if we're going to be able to get my arm ready to go by game time. So we're going to list Nathan as a starter. He's going to take all the starting reps throughout the week. But with the caveat, and this is what we were very open and honest in the media about, we said with the caveat that it's going to be a game time decision. You know, if Mike can, Michael, I should say, I'm doing it. Um, but if I could get my arm <laughs> ready to the point where I felt confident to play in the game, then I was going to play. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know where there was any confusion on that. To be honest with you, anybody, uh, you know, media fan, gambler, anybody that didn't know that just didn't do their research, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, there's a TSN article with a video linked to Rick explaining that pretty clearly. Um, you know, so people just, yep. you know, that were upset about it, they didn't, they didn't want to do the research. They wanted to read a headline and take the easy way out and, uh, and get their information based off of, you know, uh, a sentence of a tweet instead of actually listening to what we were saying. And so, you know, I think that we were trying to be very honest. And I think it was completely and ridiculously overblown by a lot of people, but uh, it is what it is, and that's fine. And we've operated the same way this week and tried to be as honest as we can. Um, and mm-hmm. saying that, you know, we feel confident that we have the ability to get my arm ready uh, and where it needs to be before game time. So we're going to list me as the starter. Um, and hopefully that, that holds true. You know, and that's obviously the goal and the anticipation for us. But, um, you know, I can tell you right now, if, if five minutes before the game, um, if my elbow hasn't responded, I can't throw a football. I'm obviously not going to go out and play. It's not safe for me. Yeah. It's not good for our team. It's not good for anything. So, you know, that's, that's where things are at, like you asked uh, at the beginning. It is kind of, you know, I'm not going to say a day-to-day thing because we are we are seeing improvement. Um, but, you know, I'm not taking full reps of practice because during, you know, an average day, my arm is not at the point where it's ready to take on that workload. So, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that on game day things are as good as they possibly can be. Um, but, you know, it's just it's a weird deal. I haven't had to deal with it before, so we're just trying to figure out the best way to move forward. I think that's a, a, an excellent explanation, and I must apologize for some of my media brethren because sometimes we get bored, I think. Uh, and it's been a long time since we can talk about CFL football. Yeah, we're all trying to knock the rust off too, I guess. Yeah, exactly. We're all trying to knock the rust off. One more for you, Michael. You have... Uh, you know, a lot of roots here in Edmonton because you played for this franchise, which the, which went through a name change. What do you think of the brand of the Edmonton Elks? Yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, as people refer to me as Michael now, it's, it's still kind of strange to hear people refer to the Elks. Um, you know, over time, it's going to become uh, more normal and, and won't sound as strange. But, um, you know, obviously I have a, a very, uh, you know, special history uh, with Edmonton and, and loved my time there. Um, I took a lot of pride in that organization. Um, you know, and so I, I knew when they announced that they were going to change the name, you know, I, I honestly really felt like, I'm like, I don't care what they name, and I'm going to hate it. Um, you know, it's just kind of how I felt. Um, you know, I'm sure that sentiment was uh, shared by a lot of people. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I do I do think when it was unveiled, um, you know, with the logo and everything like that, I, I actually quite like it. Um more than I thought I was going to for sure. You know, I thought they did a really good job with the, the branding and the logo. You know, I saw a couple of um, 
maybe shirts or or pictures online of like it looked like the shape of a football, uh, you know, made out of antlers on either side and stuff like that. Like the points were kind of looked like laces and stuff like that. Well, I thought that it was pretty clever, and uh, you know, I thought that they did a, as good of a job as they could with a tough situation. And you're not going to make everybody happy uh, when you when you have to go down this road. But um, you know, I, I think that it was important to keep the double E, which they did. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I do think that they did a pretty good job with it. I think the logo is pretty cool. Um, you know, it's just uh, like uh, I was. I had expectations that I was going to be uh, totally against it when it came out. I was I was a little bit surprised that uh, I actually kind of liked it a little more than I thought, for sure. Uh, you know, so it's just moving forward. Like, that's just the way it's going to be, whether people like it or not. Um, you know, but I, obviously, uh, you know, I hope that all of our teams can uh, can be strong in this league. So I hope people embrace it, and, uh, you know, I hope it's something that uh, lasts for a long time. Right on. Michael, it's good to hear your voice again. Uh, thanks for your time, as always. You're very generous, and uh, we will. Uh, I will see you from afar on Thursday night at BC Place Stadium when uh, your Lions take on the Edmonton Elks. Thanks, man. Appreciate this. Awesome, man. Sounds great. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been a long time, but uh, always good to catch up. Take care. You betcha. Michael Riley, starting quarterback for your, for I almost said it, for the BC Lions. Used to be of your Edmonton football team. Apparently, in that uh, parts of this first hour, I sounded like maybe the robot from Lost in Space. So my apologies for that. I believe we have figured out the technology now. Um, so hopefully, we'll have a really rocking second hour, which will include the voice of the Calgary Stampeders, Mark Stephen from News Talk 770 in Calgary, and Edmonton Stingers forward Jordan Baker up for Canadian Player of the Year in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Plus, Championship Weekend starts later on this week as the Stingers look to defend their title from last season. It's Campbell and for Wilkins. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.